Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How are you all doing? Good. That was the magical sound of the hunting horn call that's going to open, uh, be at the opening of this second act, and it sets the magic for the entire evening. How many of you were here, were, are not, were not here last night? Let me just see. Okay. Good number of you. Okay, good. So that's, that, that'll be helpful because then uh, Peter Sellers and Kira uh, can, can give you a little bit of a background before we go. My name is Russell Steinberg, and it is a real honor to be here to help introduce you to this really amazing Tristan project here at the Los Angeles Philharmonic. I, um, because I have these wonderful special guests who were creators of the project, we're going to be spending most of our time with that. But I've done a lot of description of the music. Um, you know, this is a huge score. This thing. This is the score. It's gigantic, right? It's gigantic. And you're not going to hear all of this tonight. You're going to hear one third of it, right? But even one third is a lot of pages. So what I've done is I have put this on blogs by act, and I've kind of broken some of the music down to talk about it. So if you're interested in reading those in your free time, uh, then just go to russellsteinberg.com, russellsteinberg.com. You can sign up or just click on blog and you can just read them. Uh, I put a lot of time into that. But what I'm gonna do just briefly is introduce you to some of the music. You know. This second act we're going to hear tonight, uh, for most of us who go to concert music, I mean, we go to symphonic music and not opera, we're used to the prelude of Wagner's Tristan Nisolde, one of the most famous concert pieces, and we're very used to the end of it, the Liebestod, right, the love-death music, and those two are paired together all the time as concert music, so we know those very well, but tonight, you're going to hear the second act, and I got to tell you, the second act is where the glory of Wagner's genius is. And I, it's not just Wagner, I, it's some of the most glorious music of the entire 19th century. And I'm going to, you'll know why, because I'm going to play you a little bit about it. But what is so extraordinary, you know, most of the act takes place in a single night. And in this night is an entire universe of experience, a universe of memory of an entire relationship, a very deep relationship. And what is incredible, you know, you go, most operas, you have a love duet maybe that goes five minutes, 10 minutes. <laughs> this thing goes on and on and on. I mean, it's longer than anything in music history I know of as a love thing. It's actually three duets all chained together with all kinds of differences. And it, it befits the depth of what's being discussed. And Peter Sellers will talk about that. But I want to just briefly wet your ears for it, because it actually goes by fast. And um, sorry, let me, let me play some of the reasons that I think this is so great. First of all, that was I played to the hunting calls. Isolde talks about the magic of love. And what you're going to hear is the Tristan progression. For those of you here yesterday, I talked about that progression, which dominates the entire opera. The opera is essentially, musically, a set of continuous variations on four chords that are being evolved, repeated, changed, and everything. 
And so she talks of the magic of love. And you're gonna, when you listen to this music, those of you who go to symphonic concerts, who know Don, you know Don Juan, Richard Strauss, and all this, you will hear where Richard Strauss got those ideas, especially when the harp comes in. <laughs> the Tristan progression and then it opens up the heart Okay, so that gives you a taste of that. That's near the beginning of, of this whole thing that's going to set up all of this love. Tristan has, talks about, I want to put the, make sure I got this right. He talks about a vision, a vision of love in this glorious moment here. Right here. This is some of the most gorgeous music you can imagine right here. I'm just playing you a couple of my greatest hits from this, my favorite hits from this. When things settle down, you get this marvelous duet. This, a lot of this duet and some other music of Tristan all came, it was, uh, it was worked through through a series of leader songs that Wagner wrote called the Wessendach Leader, uh, written on text by Matilda Wessendach, who he was having an affair with. And the, uh, the, the song Troima Dreams, formed the beginning of this exquisite love duet. I'll play just the beginning. I have to stop it. Da, 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 da. That's the Tristan chord. <laughs> all, all, you know, pulled out instead of sandwiched on top. You know, the, the Apogeturin music is the classic way you communicate yearning, the sigh. And Wagner makes that an entire like a, a big profound idea in this. When that first duet finishes, the lovers are kind of in a bliss while Brangena is trying to warn them, guys, this is not safe with you, what you're doing here. But they don't hear it. And Wagner shows that with some of the most glorious, I mean, this, this music just sends me into ecstasy. 
got the idea. And then the harmonies just get more and more beautiful from there. That would be, you know, Dianu, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough, okay? But no, Wagner's just getting started. Then you've got a second, second duet in this gorgeous lullaby here. Let me get to this. So lovely you could die, right? And that's the whole idea. That's the whole idea. And it just keeps going. I just don't know anything like this. Tristan literally says, I would die for love. just um, finish with what ends up being the, the kind of final duet, which will, be, which will transform tomorrow night into the Liebestod. But here you have them together. Let me get to this. Right about here. <laughs> There they are yearning for a love so deep it's impossible to fully envision in this world. And this is just, this is a taste of the glory that's in store for you tonight. And now I want to introduce our fabulous guests, the, state, the director Peter Sellers and the executive director of the Bill Viola video, his wife Kira Perov. Can I please have Kira? Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming. Bill, it is so, it's just so nice to see you and Kira again. Last night was so fabulous, and my, I I'm, cannot wait, actually, for tonight. And so uh, I think what we'll do is we'll begin again with Kira uh, talking about some of the deeper ideas that you're going to experience in 
Bill Viola's video that's, that is um, this incredible tapestry. Well, good evening, everyone. And um, I'm sure everyone's very excited to see act two of this um, incredible opera. Um, uh, yesterday I read some of, uh, you have program notes and there's a, a, a text there that Bill wrote called The Moving Image World. So I would suggest that, I mean, it's a really good place to start. But I'm going to read just a little part of it. And also Bill's uh, uh, summary of what he, what he feels he has done for Act Two. And he says, and I'm sorry Bill's not here tonight. He hasn't been well for quite some time and he's uh, unable to join us. Uh, so he writes, I wanted to create an image world that existed in parallel to the action on the stage in the same way that a more subtle poetic narrative mediates the hidden dimensions of our lives. The images are intended to function as symbolic inner representations that become reflections of the spiritual world in the mirror of the material and the temporal. And then he writes about Act Two. He says, Act Two concerns the awakening of the body of light, the release through the cleansing illumination of love, of the luminous spiritual form encased within the dark inertia of the material body. The theme is bringing light into the world. But when the outer world finally encroaches on their ecstatic union, a temporal and material darkness descends on the lovers whose only release lies in the pain of separation and self-sacrifice. Uh, last night when we were talking about Act One, uh, we, I talked a, a bit about the role of water, which Bill uses a lot in his works. Uh, and he, in this case, uh, in Act One, he uses um, water to describe the inner transformations taking place within Isolde and Tristan, and water's metaphors of purification, baptism, reflection, dissolution, and finally love. Act two, as Bill notes, is about light, <clears throat> but the images are of fire and the raging flames of passion. The night forest is full of danger, but the intoxicated love of Isolde and Tristan transcends all fear. As they extinguish the light, their earthly bodies are replaced by heavenly bodies. And these heavenly bodies appear as grainy images, free of their existence in the world. And we sense that Tristan and Isolde are moving closer to death. In the dark forest, their illicit tryst is abruptly uncovered. As King Mark sings his anguished lament, night gradually turns to day and the material becomes the immaterial. The long slow dawn accompanies his deep sorrow, contemplating the meaning of lies, deception and pain. So act two actually begins with a sunset in the forest and it ends with a dawn. So before we recorded the opening forest scene, which you will see at the opening, 
uh, Bill wrote in his notebook a description of how he envisaged it. So this was before we even went, before we even found the forest. And he writes, the night advances and covers the forest. Light in the sky through the trees fades. The dark forms of the trunks become living beings, solid and still. At the threshold of vision, the dark forest shimmers, its numinous presence pierced by shafts of light as figures move through the forest, receding further and further away until only darkness remains. So as you can see, Bill's images have a life of their own. If you look at something long enough, its essence is revealed. Depending on your state of mind and where and how you look, the material world changes and those images that Bill collects and records becomes, uh, become metaphors for something deeper below the surface. The use of slow motion is a tool that he has used very often, allowing an exchange, an emotion or a scene to be extended and viewed for a long time, like scanning over and over your favorite painting in a museum. So that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to take the time to look. So I think maybe Peter could say a few words <laughs> now. Kara, thank Sorry. you. This Sorry, I had to write all of this because I no, this can't talk beautiful. like Peter I, I mean, in front of an audience. It is beautiful. Welcome back to Act Two. Um, those who were here in Act One, as Kira said, we were on a stormy ship, and we were at sea, literally, emotionally, spiritually, at sea. And 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 the ship coming into harbor in the last moments is just this overwhelming experience that ends Act One. And imagine, if you will, that you're seeing Act Two with that super high energy coming into it. Um, we. For people who are just coming for the first time tonight, we did decide 15 years ago to separate the operas so the singers could really have a chance to sing full out. Because if you sing all five hours in one night, the singers are frequently saving their voices because they know what they have to still do later on tonight. So we just are doing one act tonight, just to say act two, working with Bill Viola and inviting an artist to collaborate really takes us away from the world of scenery. For me, the big crisis in theater is how do you put a forest on stage? <laughs> you just can't, I'm sorry. The, a theater is not an interesting enough place. You realize how dull a theater is when you say, could we be in a forest, please? So Bill, of course, brought the Los Angeles National Forest into Disney Hall for the opening of Act Two. And at the same time, as Kira just said, you watch the light suddenly vanish in ways that are eerie and strange, and you realize that this is charged with a kind of magic. Now you all know that the forest is charged with magic. We all know that, and some of the most beautiful moments in our lives have been when we're walking in a forest with someone we care about and for. And a forest is this magical, magical place. Bill went out of his way to find this deep magic in the landscape which is why you invite an artist, not a set designer. Because, of course, the landscape has secrets. It's not just, oh, that's a tree. As Kira just said, it's a living being. Yeah. 
and that living being is caring for you and the only reason you can still breathe. And at night in a forest, everything's moving. But what, as Kira alluded to, is also moving in this strange, beautiful night. We heard Tristan and Isolde at the end of Act One drink this potion which suddenly plunged them from deep hatred into love. Now Isolde has, <laughs> she definitely has drunk the Kool-Aid. And Brangain is trying to say, this is really scary. The people around here are trying to kill you. They're looking for you. They're searching for you in the night. There are search parties out. When they find you in Tristan, they're going to kill you. And Isolde said, oh, no, no, that's just the rustling of the brook. In fact, Wagner puts these shocking hunting horns. And it's not hunting horns from the Brahms horn trio. These are people with big, serious, long shotguns who want to shoot and kill. And they're out there. The idea of a hunt at night, hello? Who goes hunting at night? What? As you can tell, it's a little weird and a little evil. What we are able to do here at Disney Hall is place the horns in such a way that they are horrifying. <laughs> the sound the horns make here is so shocking. And again, we thank Frank Gehry for that. Um, but just to say, once Tristan and Isolde find each other in the night, there's this half hour of music that's usually cut in most performances because it's a lot to sing. It's very hard. But in fact, it's my favorite part of the opera. Because what, what they're about to sing and what, in fact, uh, what was played for you by Russell a few minutes ago, that gorgeous love music, Wagner says, you don't get to do that right away. <laughs> you first have to, as adults, work through your issues. And this is not Romeo and Juliet. This is not heavy petting in the woods. This is not I'll bring my sleeping bag. <laughs> These are two adults who said, if you want to talk to me, I first of all have to tell you what I was feeling when you did this and you never even noticed. Do you have any idea how much that still hurts right now? And then Tristan goes on this wild thing saying, excuse me, you don't understand. I was in every newspaper. I was on every video. I was, had all these followers on Instagram. I was like the bright lights that I was under because everyone was putting me forward as the biggest hero on earth when I actually felt that I was the most unworthy human being and I despised myself so deeply and I had to go do another interview and another photo shoot. And Tristan goes on about the day, the evil day, the evil day that makes us not ourselves, the person you have to be at work as opposed to the person who you really are at home at night. And that at night we can only be our real selves. And in the day we're acting all day, we're trying to pretend, we're trying to convince people, we're trying to put on some kind of show, facade, whatever. And at night we stop and become ourselves, get quiet, listen to our own heart, and listen to the heart of another human being, and stop talking. 
This half hour of music, Wagner has these surges of wild violence, wild intensity, deep sadness, deep anger, deep hurt, and you watch two people open their veins and let the poison flow out. And Gustavo and the Philharmonic play this music with sensational, high energy and darkness and wildness. And it's not fearful, it's courageous. It's when you finally say what you haven't said to your partner in all these years. And you say, no, we have to be honest now. And then the sublime love duet begins. And the love duet is again of two people who have been in love and hated each other for decades. So they don't have to even look in each other's eyes. They can both be looking at the same thing and be deeply, deeply, deeply connected because their love isn't, oh, by the way, I love you. It's there, each of them is inside the other so deeply. And of course, that's what love is. It's not about the person's surface, what somebody looks like, what they're wearing tonight. I mean, after a while, you get to this point where a relationship is everything else. In the night. And that love duet allows them to each give each other space. Nobody's trying to own anybody. Nobody's trying to tell the other person what they should be doing. And gradually, as the night sinks in, everyone can be who they are. As they're under a tree, singing this beautiful love duet, King Mark, the distinguished King Mark, in a very dirty and bad-smelling T-shirt <laughs> with his accomplice, is up in the tree, heavy breathing, in the original legend. You will see King Mark played tonight by Eric Owens. Again, dressed for living in a tree at night. And he's ashamed of himself. Rangena tries from the tower to warn, and you heard a little bit of the music from Russell, warn the lovers that they want to kill you. You are approaching death. And for the lovers, approaching death does not sound like a bad idea. And this piece is about a love that is not going to be realized in this lifetime. In fact, that reaches beyond the limits of this lifetime and probably, in fact, started many lifetimes ago. And they agree to meet in a world beyond this world. And this is where Wagner is really taking in Buddhism very deeply. And this idea of multiple lifetimes, this idea of love that reaches across multiple universes, worlds, histories, cultures. We've all been here many times. And in these Wagner pieces, 
There's repetition, 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 cycles, cycles, cycles. You don't leave the cycle. You're in a cycle. You're in another cycle and another cycle and another cycle every time you're learning something more. Every time something you only suspect starts to feel more real, more actual. This act is long, and it's one of my favorite things because Wagner says, when you're walking in the woods with someone you love, you're not in a hurry. You take all the time in the world. And Wagner gives you music that expands and floats, loses track of time, doesn't check for messages, is just open to a future that you can't imagine. Finally, the troops come in, King Mark and his accomplice show up. His accomplice is a really wild, radical uh, 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 ideologue who denounces them for being, you know, prurient and clearly has a, a, camp, a, a campaign for the U.S. Senate in mind. Um, and then King Mark shows up and the entire temperature changes. All night long, Wagner has given us this gigantic oceanic orchestra, this orchestra of infinite sound and infinite emotion, infinite layer after layer after layer, which Russell has been mentioning to you. These same notes keep coming back in new combinations, rich and super detailed, and then suddenly the orchestra stops and three instruments play. The bass clarinet, and King Mark is singing so quietly. Everything gets silent in the night. And what we learn is that King Mark and Tristan, at an earlier time in Tristan's life, were, of course, lovers. And for Isolde, that's startling to hear. <laughs> And meanwhile, Tristan has been avoiding this moment. And King Mark, it's beautiful. The, the love music between King Mark and Trist Tristan in the 19th century, Wagner could not acknowledge what this was. So when the love music comes on between these two characters, there's a beautiful note in the score. Wagner writes, they look down at their feet as this love music plays. It's the love that dare not speak its name. And the medieval tradition, in the 12th century manuscripts, there are beautiful images of King Mark and Tristan kissing on the mouth, of King Mark being ill, and Tristan with him in bed playing the harp to soothe him. And it was a beautiful love. Wagner, having shown us this wildness of love, love is a release, love is a release from the world, as an as a, as a, as unbelievable moment of ecstatic freedom, shows you love as something that is so damaging, that hurts so badly, and that you don't recover from. In love betrayed between King Mark and Tristan. And then we get to a really shocking moment, and I will explain it to you for a moment. I, sh I shouldn't, but it, Wagner makes it so quick. And you realize that the reason Tristan has brought Isolde on this trip, not to marry King Mark, which is what he told her, 
But these are the two people he loves, and he's going to commit suicide in front of both of them. He wants them to meet each other, and then he wants to leave this world. Out of love. And out of love that he was unable, unable to stand up to and offer. We'll learn in Act 3 that Tristan was born. When Tristan was born, his father died before he was born, and his mother died giving birth to him. And he never knew what parents were. He never knew what a relationship was. And you watch this man in the world searching and searching and searching and having no idea where to look for what he's looking for. And Wagner takes us to a, this poignant place. And I have to say, as Kira pointed out, Bill has this program of two sets of bodies, the earthly bodies and then these incredible bodies of light. And the bodies of light begin to move in and take over Act Two. The bodies that are just beyond what you can touch. It's only what you can feel. Because love is not just about touch, love is about feeling. And ultimately, where we go is, what the video does is not just slow things down, but go into actual time, because most of us cannot deal with actual time, which is why we're checking our phone 50 times, because we can't, we want everything to go faster, because we're so impatient. And so when something is in real time, it feels really slow to us. But as Kira said, this act ends, the final video of this act is a sunrise. And Bill went searching for his ideal oak tree to be King Mark and found an hour north of here this incredible oak tree, this live oak on a hill. And Bill films the sun rising through the branches. And you get a sunrise in real time. It's 20 minutes long. That's what a real sunrise is. And you realize Wagner didn't slow anything down. Wagner is moving at the time it really takes. And when you stop, as Kira says, and take the time, listen, look, the only way we're ever willing to take this kind of time in our lives is when we're in love. And then time can't go slowly enough. Every minute is a lifetime. Every minute is an eternity. Every minute is a world opening. And Wagner is trying to take us into that time, space, continuum that is not the world of the day and the world of our clocks and the world of our cell phones and the world of our business and the world of our bank account, but why we're actually on Earth. What are we here for? What are we doing? We're here for one thing. We're here for love. And love is the only real thing in this world, and we spend all our lives convincing ourselves it can wait. I have something very important to do right now. And what does it take when you finally have nothing else to do? And you surrender completely.
because it's the only thing that actually matters. Wagner is taking us in this act to this unbelievable wild fever pitch and beautiful, calm, quiet space. Act three, Tristan is wounded fatally and we're with Tristan in the last moments of his life. Act two is this beautiful understanding of love as finally meeting someone after a lifetime of being with them and finally actually recognizing them and also letting them go. and being free to be with them with no conditions. And what you heard, Russell played that wild duet where their voices get more and more ecstatic, more and more sublime and crazy, and the orchestra is just going bursting through the absolute tissue of lies of this world. What they're singing is cosmic. Wagner wrote these words. He wrote these words after reading these Buddhist texts about a universe that is infinite and that has not just one God, but just has love, ecstatic love, in billions of galaxies. And the entire universe is mobilized through love. Every plant growing, every ant, every human being, all the weather, all of our internal weather and all the weather that surrounds us, it's the movement of love. And Wagner set himself the task to actualize this in sound. Bill, Viola, and Kira set themselves the task to create images that don't illustrate this music. But as Bill wrote in his notebook, each image has to be simultaneously abstract like the music and emotionally powerful like the music, but differently from the music. And in that sense that love is infinite, therefore it means it doesn't come in one shape, size, or version. <laughs> What's so beautiful is the way that video works with the music. They're different. They're moving in different directions in different ways. Just like two adults in a real relationship. And then every once in a while they meet. And it's overwhelming. So that's a bit of what we're in for tonight. Please, may I just say, uh, yes, try and keep track of what's happening. But also, again, let yourself go. Just go into the ecstasy of it, go into the freedom of it, go into the release of it, go to your own place, because that's where, you know, this is not music appreciation class, this is the opposite. There are no correct answers, there's everything that you are feeling in your life, as well as in Disney Hall. We made this piece again for Disney Hall, which is why there are musicians all around the hall. It's an immense sensuround, you know, uh, 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 Dolby sensuround sound, thanks to Frank Gehry. 
And so we're in this immersive world, we're surrounded by Wagner's sound world. And that's why all the sound is happening around you. But also it's because sound is where we live, in our dreams, in our mind. Sound carries emotion, sound carries memory. Sound is where we really live. And Wagner has given us an entire cosmos of sound. Please, time travel, walk through the galaxies, visit the billions of universes, and visit your own universe. Peter, that's Revelations of the Night. Can I please have a hand, please, for our two guests? Kara Peroff, Peter Sellers. See you in there. Have a beautiful night.